This episode of Grade 43 is brought to you by On Trajectory. See where your money is taking you at ontrajectory.com. Do the math. Five kids. Three dogs, two cats, one and a half fish. Do teenagers count? And a lizard. Thirteen guitars. Seventeen years of formal education. Nineteen, but who's counting? Two middle-aged two men. Two middle-aged men. On podcast. Get off my lawn. And a whole bunch of misguided ideas. <laughs> it works out to something like grade 43. 40. Get off my lawn. Grade. Uh, Silver Diner is like the best restaurant to go with little kids, I think. Um, oh, yeah, because you can get whatever you want. And if you need to, you can get a beer. Yeah. Beer, wine, cocktails. Yeah, that's right. They have everything. And like chunky monkey milkshakes. But then like I had like watermelon shrimp salad, whatever, which sounds super weird. It was delicious because well, I like shrimp. Yeah. And uh, I heard the manager talking to the table next to us about flying Vs and scorpions. And I'm like... <laughs> Hey, dude, you play guitar? And he's like, yeah, how'd you know? I'm like, "Uh, yeah, you just mentioned Flying V over there. Anyway, and he's like, yeah, you know, I used to have this ovation knockoff. And I'm like, wow, an ovation Ovation. knockoff. Remember those acoustic guitars that had like the round back? Yeah, so he has a knockoff called Matrix. And I was like, (laughs) that's cool. And then he said, "Uh, yeah, and then I had an Aria Pro 2. You know, Steve Morse used to play that. but Oh, yeah. And I said, oh, okay, that's cool. Good, good. <laughs> he just did, did you book him for an interview? <laughs> I kind of want to. He's not really like, he's, he's like, I'm not very good. I'm like, who cares? I'm like, whatever. That would, be so, that would be so on brand, especially with, um, you know, we're talking to, to Eric in this episode, and he was a chef, right? Yeah, makes, yeah. Makes yeah. total sense. This guy used to own a kickboxing gym, and he had a dog named Jocko. And then. The bass player for somebody famous, I forgot who he said it was, worked out at his gym and he found out the dog's name was Jocko. And then he thought this guy was a master bassist and he was like super intimidated by him because of Jocko Pastorius, right? Uh, okay. Kind of funny. He's like, I don't even there, play bass. There are so many different things to make sense of in this. Yeah, I know. I was just like, <laughs> what, what is happening here right now? Oh, my God. Uh, I told him. He's like, I'm really busy, though. I'm like, yeah, it's okay. You know, 15 minutes a day. Whatever. Play some guitar. <laughs> <laughs> I feel oh, like I guess we're, we're into it, though. That was good. That, right? was, that was a good cold open. I like <laughs> that one. I think we're becoming guitar therapists. So it's kind of great. I'm just like, yeah, man. Yeah, just I just wish the copay it. were higher, right? What's that? I wish the copay were higher. Oh, yeah. Because then we could get some get some more ends and then i met another guy today he just started he just joined our organization at work and uh, i had a one-on-one with him and he's like we were talking about getting paid for doing stuff and i'm like well tell you what if i could figure out how to get paid for this and i like tried to put my guitar on the screen and he's like oh it's blurred is that a strat what is that and i'm like wait what and he's like don't you see here and i said no i can't see your back either it's blurred and then he unblurred it, and there were 10 guitars hanging on the wall behind him. Oh, and I'm man. like, my people, yes, <laughs> yes. And he does, like, online. He's been playing guitar online with these two dudes for two years now. He's never met them on some <laughs> Jamabama thing. Like, all of them have weird names, like Jam Bam and Jamulus and whatever. Oh, like the online collaboration music space stuff. Yeah, that doesn't have... A lot of lag like it's actually pretty decent right. I, I, I played on one of them it was pretty good but like 
Yeah, that's what he's been doing. And he's in this jazz workshop, they called him, where he pays a ton of money to get to jam with some people once a week. And then there's like a pro there that kind of coaches them. But it's like, nah, man, I'm just going to find people. I, I'm not going to pay like $250 a month to jam with people. <laughs> like hmm. that's, that's a lot. It of would money. have to be super amazing, right? Right, right. Yeah. But they're like all intermediate guitarists. And then there's a coach who's very good, but uh, 250 bucks each person is paying. Like that's a lot of money. Yeah. Anyway, huh. so it's been an interesting day. And um, yeah, what can I say? We we made it to episode eleven. Let's not get ahead of ourselves. <laughs> wasn't wait? Wasn't this? A, I don't. I feel like you know. I, I took for granted all those years of watching TV, and you see hosts say things like, "Yeah, well, this Sunday is Easter." It's like I bet it's not, but somehow you were coached <laughs> to know that it's Easter this Sunday. <laughs> That's right. It's like when we we tweet, "Hey, coming soon." We're doing this now, and you get to hear it in the next nine to fourteen days. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Totally. So I, I, I don't even know what day it is anymore. So are, did we just interview? Was that last interview episode 11? I don't know. Mm, I this one is. This one is, right? Yes. This like is what we're talking 11. about the, now today. This, this one, episode. yes. This okay. goes to 11. This goes, this goes to 11. Yes. Yes. And it was a fun interview, right? It was interesting. Kept us on our toes. I mean, the, uh, you know, the... The internet kind of kept us on our toes there a little yeah, bit. Yeah, you were frozen for like half of it, but we could hear you. <laughs> the The best thing about this, right? And like I was saying and when we were just starting to talk, it was like, I ended up just using my capture anyway. But all of the normal protocols and technology were in place for us to have a flawless experience. We had the, the guest on point dialed in technology is good and then it all just went away for like 45 <laughs> seconds it's, it was still like you know no, no matter what and that wasn't a big deal because we ended up rolling with what we would have rolled with anyway for the interview so like all the tech and protocol was in place and we right. had entirely new problems but we still delivered a pretty good interview right right which i guess we can say because people are probably have read what who we interviewed, his name was Eric Pet. I say Petrus, but he pronounces it differently. And I apologize, Eric, right now. I talk to you like we chat on the phone almost every day via text message. Mm -hmm. And I don't know how to pronounce his last name. So apologies, Eric. But <laughs> I'm going to keep saying Petrus, but it might be, I think it's Petros, Petrus or something. I don't know. Hmm. Sorry, Eric. But, you know, I think part of that, uh, Brian, is that um, he's a former chef. And like you said, like people that have worked in the kitchen are different and interesting yeah. and you just roll with the punches because that's what you have to do literally all day in a kitchen. Yeah, no doubt. So let's, uh, let's just, without further ado, let's just get to it. I found Eric through Instagram and called upon his services about a year ago to set up my guitar. 
and the guitar came back playing great. But what really struck me was that it had like some really cool stickers and like his text message notifications were really clever. Something about making sure the guitar got some proper like Louisiana mojo added to it. And he did some sort of en enchantment. That was cool. And we sort of stayed in touch and I subscribed to his new newsletter. Uh, and that's how I learned about his guitar repair business course. And I signed up for the course and I was like, you know, I'm, I'm kind of a pain in the ass. And I'm like, Eric, you know, classical guitar maintenance. And he like immediately invited me over to his shop with my classical guitar. And he just like clicked everything on in his recording studio. And we went to work creating a lesson about classical guitar maintenance right there. <laughs> and to top it off, like he baked me a loaf of delicious homemade sourdough. Uh, to home. uh, yeah, I did do After that. I forgot that, all yeah. about that. It was man, unbelievable. Uh, making content yeah. with somebody else and yeah. not sharing and then, the bread. You know, what the hell, man? In addition to all this, Eric also builds guitars. And, uh, yeah. you know, he very kindly let me kick the tires on them, which is a lot of fun. And, um, yeah, you know, Eric in a previous place was a chef. And mm -hmm. I think most of the time, the way a chef thinks, because I also worked in the kitchen for a long time, is like, how can I do this faster and consistently well and better? And he's always experimenting on new ways to work on and build guitars. I would exactly. say that like his approach is like, do it now and then improve, which I think is a very powerful message for entrepreneurs, because most of the time people want it perfect and never really get started. And so... I think we got lots to talk about here today. And before we got started, we, we already were, Eric somehow like knew these were going to be my questions or something. So without like any further ado, let's hear it for Eric Petrus of Nova Guitar. Going, so he got Thanks the script, me, right? We, we gave him the, the reading. I know I gave him the because <laughs> uh, I, I, he just started talking about entrepreneurship and I was like, Wait, these are all my questions. For uh, man. <laughs> you know, I'll tell you uh, how I got into Nova Guitar Setups uh, Entrepreneurship. So I lived in uh, McLean, right on Tyson's Corner, um, like by the new Capital One building that was being built and um, in a townhouse that was gated. And um, uh, so I was in the middle of the pandemic. You probably already heard this story. And my kid was in virtual school. And I had nothing to do. So I was working as a chef and Tyson's Corner like just went down. I mean, traffic went mm -hmm. to zero. I didn't want to go back working as a chef anyway. Dude, we had a two-bedroom apartment. It was 1,100 square feet. And I worked on my living room floor with a lamp that I took from, the, um, from next to my bed. And I put out free ads on Craigslist. And that was my business model. And I, my, my first goal was to make enough money to pay my car note. And, um, and I did it like that for months, months and uh, like six months. And then, uh, this hotel down the street, uh, was going out of business and they were having a sale. And I went down there to buy a table and I got a $25 table and that like kicked me up like to like, I actually had a table to work on and I didn't have a floor <laughs> to work on. And that was like, that was actually the beginning of it. <laughs> And, uh, like like moving off the floor to the table and i was already doing like love that two thousand dollars a month before i had the table you know and uh wow but you talk about like a minimum viable product i like the only thing i had was feeler gauges um and like a 
couple like a screwdriver and a couple other things and like and i just said look all i can do is electric setups and and people would call and i'd say oh, i'll do electric setup for 30 bucks and they come by and i do a, a pretty good job on it and and that's how the business got built i mean no kidding that's amazing that's why it's no guitar setups right which you're kind of like was that all he does? Because I know you do a lot more than that, but I guess it wasn't. <laughs> that was all I did. That was all I did. Setups. That's all I wanted to do. My whole business plan, because I was a chef, like as a chef, really all I wanted to do was like sell chicken sandwiches. That was it. Like, let's just sell one thing all day. Yeah. Like that's, I just want to simplify it. So that's what I was thinking. Wow. <laughs> but that That's like a uh, kitchen nightmare guy, right? When I was uh he, he's always like limit your menu right and he's right you don't need like a crazy menu but um but you went all out burn the boats viking style right like you 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 stopped right you all have heard of this right like they're like we're gonna conquer this land we don't care about our boats we're just gonna burn our boats and take over this land we we're not giving ourselves a another option here you you like and the pandemic kind of helped that but you basically were just like i'm done my kids at home flailing with school and i'm going to start this business exactly I, I i literally just had to say you know i was just like i had to make it work you know it's like that uh, it's the story that you hear the cheesy entrepreneurial story that you hear all the time that I, I have to make it work i got my back to the wall but like that's literally how i did it whenever customers would come over and like pay me and talk to me I would be thinking that I'll be thinking I've got to make this business work. So you better like turn on the charm or something, you know, or it's like the, or do, uh, a, do an extra good job or make that guitar sound extra better or something, you know? Yeah. And, it's like, what's the adage? 90% perspiration and 10% inspiration or something. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So it was a lot of that. It was just, yeah, a lot of hustle. But, but that's like not the entrepreneur stories we hear on the internet. It's like, Oh yeah, and all I do is I go on Audible and I upload these audio. I heard some woman talking about this, and I just upload these audio files. And I taught my mom, and she's making nine hundred dollars a month. Like, <laughs> right? Like, whatever. Those are the BS words. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, I don't know how they do that. In fact, if I could make free money, I would do it. But. <laughs> I think I think we've figured it out. So it's, it's, if you start a podcast, it's like, yeah. that's step one. Step. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, we're making. We're oh man. Let me see. We are making minus how much a month? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, you start adding up your time. I know. Yeah. Yeah. That's like my guitar building venture right now. You know. Yeah. So tell me about it. So I'm curious because Calmar, you got to. This is the thing you just got to experience, right? Uh, yes, his yeah. guitar. So is, yes. that, is that it hanging up in the background? Yes, yeah. it's right okay. here behind me. Yeah, yes. so like, what did you send him? Because I just think this is interesting because, one, I'm not a telly guy, but then I picked up a telly baritone, and I'm like, hmm, okay. Mm. And so I'm just curious as to, like, between what did you send him and Calamar, what did you think of what you got? The guitar? Yeah. Oh, yeah. He sent me this, this Telecaster that... Um, the best description I have for it is really like it feels like I'm putting on my favorite old sweater when I play it, you know? <laughs> That's cool. Like, because yeah. I, I feel like the neck is everything and like the string tension is sort of everything for playing guitar because mm -hmm. the rest is kind of easy. You can buy nice electronics, put them in, do whatever. 
but like the neck's got to feel right. The fretwork's got to feel right. Mm-hmm. And, and like, I, I think Eric is onto something cause he's not trying to make a boot. Well, I shouldn't say it, like it's, it, he, he's not like creating his own body shape and his own headstock and whatever, and trying to do it. He, he wants to make a highly playable guitar that is like almost i don't want to say it's like anticlimactic because it's like the kind of guitar i like like my guitar that i bought looks like it was like pieced together so like in a way that that's like what i what i like anyway but but like i i think he's got he's building okay here's the right way to call it like the working man's guitar so you know Brian and I talk about this all the time of like, what is probably the price point for a great gigging guitar that's going to be reliable? And it's no matter what you do, you're going to be in that like thousand dollar range, because if you're not, your pots are going to give out or the electronics are going to be weird or you can't replace them. Like, okay, a Squire is nice. It's 300 bucks, but you can't replace stuff on it because it's not the same size as all the other <laughs> real fender stuff right well, can you can you take it on the road with you for three months without yeah, having right. it um, exactly yeah you know, can you still love it after like you know however many gigs yeah. and all that yeah right right that's the deal you know i i deal with professional musicians all the time and it's they go on the road and and whenever they come back they have their instruments serviced like the electronics cleaned and all that stuff so that it'll last like for another yep you know, six months and that instrument's got to be you know of of a quality level that can do that you know yeah and i feel like this guitar is that because it's got the highly playable neck and just top-notch componentry to it so like you you can't go wrong with it (laughs) yeah i mean it's meant to be like i'd like to give it to professional musicians and have them play it and i think it could from what i've seen i think it could be you know and um you know, I'm just going like I'm really enamored by the pre CBS stuff, like the Fender stuff before '65. Like I've been, I've been like into that since I was 15 years old. You know, so when I think about like, like really like beautiful guitars or like desirable guitars with um, character, like that, so like guitars with character, I go for like the pre CBS Fenders or like the older gibsons and stuff like that so like that's where my mind goes and that's where i went with like the telecaster because it's got the nitrocellulose paint and i want eventually you know when i get better at this i'll um i'll put more pre-cbs appointments to the guitar so that it will it will it will kind of so hopefully it will look and feel like something like that um or maybe like a newer version like i want to put clay dots in the neck um, I want to do the neck profiles like they did the old ones, like the 0.88 soft V or the 64, um, strat neck, the old, like, I like the pickups that are kind of vintage correct. But then we had a conversation about this the other night, vintage correct. But, you know, the pickup makers realized that there were some, um, uh, you know, back then there was some, all the pickups weren't all that, you know, that they, they, they really best with what they had, pickups, right? kind of have like a a tight range to them which is sort of like it it defines the pickups that sort of the tight range but the newer pickup makers are really expanding them you know and um so i like the vintage correct stuff but then with 
you know, open it up and kind of with a bit more of the modern touches to it, you know. And, and let me back up and just explain to folks, because I just learned about this, like what it means to be pre-CBS. So, oh, yeah, you're reading up on this, right? Yeah, I just read the book, The Birth Aloud, all about Leo Fender and, and Les Paul and those guys, Paul Bigsby and, and the, like the creation of the electric guitar. And uh, Leo Fender and Randall, who was like his business manager, sold Fender to CBS, literally CBS, kind of like when, as weird as it sounds, CBS TV broadcast bought a guitar company. And, (laughs) and basically at that point, Leo Fender wanted to retire because he thought he was going to die because he had a lot of health problems. Yeah. He was like, I'm not going to last much longer this, and I'm going to go like sail my yachts because he he was buying a yacht every year because he was making like millions of dollars. I I don't need that. The book is fantastic. And uh, so they gave him a five year no compete and he just had to like tinker in his lab. They didn't want anything to do with him. And uh, they basically, their quality levels dropped dramatically and they would just tell people to use whatever parts and there was no more standards and there was nothing um, comparable to what was being done before that. And then after a few years, they gave up on it. So, and that's when Fender started to get better again. Yeah. So they kept a lot of the, of course, you know, they made improvements throughout the years and they were able to kind of crank those guitars out a little bit faster and stuff. And they kept, you know, they, Fender became a company that, um, you know, mass produced guitars. And before, I think before the, the CBS bottom, there was more of like a, a really kind of a handmade type boutique type company, you know, and Oh yeah. Something special about it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Here's so the, oh, go ahead. Are you still there, Brian? I wasn't sure. Cause you froze on us. Oh yeah. No, I'm here. All right. Cool. Yeah. So anyway, I just wanted to give the, the preamble on what, what it means to be pre CBS. So I've played some pre CBS stuff too. There's really, there's definitely some around here in Virginia. Yeah, absolutely. And there's something special about them. I mean, it is, they're magical pieces of wood strapped together, man. (laughs) It is, they're really nice. And the neck feels all comfortable and rolled. And, uh, it feels like that old sweater, you know? Yep. Um, a lot yeah. of them now need refrets and stuff, you know, so it's hard to find one that really plays great. Like most of the time the frets are kind of gone. What's the, um, what's the thing about the neck? Cause I know Calmar had mentioned to me something about the, the sanding on it, right? So like a satin neck, right? And then is there something different to the carve or? Uh, yeah, the neck, the back of the neck profile. I took that when I got that neck, it was like a, had almost a one, had one of those boat necks on the back of it. So like a one inch at the first fret. Um, mm-hmm. and then like a little bit over an inch at the 12th fret. That probably doesn't mean much to you, but so I carved it down to 0.88 of an inch at the first fret and gave it a really soft V neck profile. It's very soft V actually. And then it goes to a C up to the 12th fret. And I did that. That's a, that's a, it was a fender. It, it was one, it's one of the sought after fender neck profiles, mm-hmm. um, out there. So I gave it a shot, carved it with a rasp and everything. <laughs> it's a pain That's in the cool. butts. Um, <laughs> so in that that soft V, I like it because it gives you the ability to put your thumb around the top of it, which I always always like because I like there's some Hendrix stuff that you can't do without putting your thumb up there. 
together. So mm-hmm. yeah. I don't know. I always like that. And the neck is sanded too. I like when I'm doing those necks, the back of the neck, if it's sticky at all with like, um, with, with, um, lacquer, any sort of stickiness as I'm playing it, I just keep saying it, keep yeah. saying it. And so I go from like 600 grit to probably 3000 grit, you know, on the back, just, mm-hmm. um, just to get rid of the stickiness. And I don't know, it work. it works for me. And, and the fret work too. So you, you mm-hmm. work the frets on, on obviously both sides, the treble side and the bass side so that yeah. there's no, um, no, no, no jagged pointy edges. You know, if we watch the Phil McKnight videos where he takes the, uh, the, the pantyhose and, and, and checks to see the, if it catches. Oh yeah, it. yeah. 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 That's, that's what that's doing there. So like, I feel like this guitar fits in really well to what Phil McKnight describes as fast and slow guitars. So he talks about how, uh, the price of the guitar is often dictated by how much time is spent with someone who knows what they're doing working on that guitar right so like the the really cheap guitars you know they're well manufactured nowadays and they have very tight tolerances but no one is putting their hands on the guitar for more than like a couple of minutes and off it goes and and the higher end guitars a lot of time is spent doing this kind of stuff that you're talking about so i think like what you were able to do there it was like you know, you buy the parts. They're all very well manufactured parts. Great tolerances. You mm-hmm. can put it together. It's a bolt-on neck. So, like, it, but then you can spend all that time that they spend in like the custom shops making it really nice. Right. So, yeah. Like, the custom shop appointments. Exactly. That's exactly. what I want to do. Yeah. I gotta. I gotta. I don't, find- I don't have the equipment here to saw wood and stuff. Right. <laughs> I gotta do what I got I gotta do what I can, you know. And, like, and why? <laughs> I mean there's a perfectly good neck you can Yeah, buy. yeah. Um uh you know one day, one day maybe, but yeah. um uh you know absolutely I'm trying to give it the finishing touches that really that I would want in a guitar that I like and um I mean I, I play tons and tons of guitars and um I'll, I, I don't really touch any that I don't like. I really do like all of them, but like there's some that I like really, really like. And when it comes down to like my personal choices, that's what I want to build. And, um, and whenever I hand them off to someone, it's, it's just like cooking a plate of food for somebody. Like <laughs> if, and I've, and I've cooked for like, I've cooked for Alice Cooper. I've cooked, like I've cooked for some oh, nice. important people. And like you, you feed people like that and you feed them a crappy meal. It is the worst feeling in the world. So I could never give somebody a guitar that was like kind of like crappy or anything. It has to be the very best that I could do. So, so what's I, the, I the, 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 the frozen sp- guinea fowl to George Bush at his uh oh, really? inauguration? Oh, I did. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Because I, inauguration? Well, I was out I was working awesome. uh outside of whatever that hotel is or one of the banks there, right where they do the inaugurations, and it was on DuPont or uh no like right near the White House and oh, yeah. it was like I don't know 15 like degrees Mayflower outside or, or some absurd temperature and we're working outside with our little you know heating boxes and whatever and we definitely sent frozen food into that place because there's just no way to like work it was like miserable conditions so i want to hear that story on the guitar side i want to learn about like the cooking by like the horrible cooking accident so what's like the most 
horrible guitar th- situation that you ever found yourself in, right? And I'll back this up with, I tried to intonate a couple strings of mine and it was terrifying to me. <laughs> so <laughs> like I went and like, hey, it's working. And the next one, none of it worked at all. So what's like the worst thing? Like you had somebody's guitar uh, tied into a pretzel I or something like that. A, um, this guy brought me, this happened a couple of months ago. Um, he brought me a bass preamp. A super nice Stingray bass, and the kid is like, he's got to be 17 years old, 16, 17. Um, he's like 105 soaking wet, shows up at my doorstep <laughs> with a Stingray, and he wants a um, this uh, super complicated like bass um, preamp. Oh, yes, I saw that thing. And um, so... I sat there and, um, oh, oh God, I have another story that is even better than this, but I think I showed you that guitar too. So I, I, that ba- the bass preamp came in and it just like, it was missing a connection, but from the, the passive part to the active part. And, and it was so like confusing to me that I just couldn't figure it out. And, um, and well, how I, many wires did it have that you had to redo? Oh, that, that was the ghost system. I should probably talk about that. <laughs> I spent about eight hours. I like a good ghost story ghost system. Uh, <laughs> and it was to turn this, it's to turn this, um, PRS guitar, um, into a MIDI guitar to give it like each individual string will now have its own pickup and send wow. a signal. To, and, and you can connect this thing to this 13 pin connector and everything. Well, I got this ghost system in and um, so you have to put in a new saddle. So it's like a PRS and a little saddle. And then the wire goes from the saddle down to the um, pickup cavity and the wire from the saddle to the pickup cavity is not long. enough. It's not long enough. So this is a huge deal because now I've got, okay, there's, yeah, there's 12 wires. I got to clip each wire add a, like a three inch extension on each <laughs> oh wire. God. There's 12 wires. And then, uh, then the most complicating, I had to run the wires through the bridge block, like where the strings go. Um, and then it was, it was, it was a nightmare. And then once it got into the control cavity, <coughs> excuse me, it's starting to upset me already. Um, <laughs> and they're minuscule <laughs> wires. Minuscule. Yeah. Once it gets into the control cavity, it just goes, it just gets even worse because like there's all this stuff that's got to go somewhere. It was terrible. So I gave it back to the guy and it worked. And um, see, that's the I best part. Do you feel like you did? Do you again. feel like you did it the right way? Because if you feel like you did it the right way, then that's a, that's a fucking I win. I double checked it, triple checked it, <laughs> quadruple checked it. And um, like, because I did not want to do it again. I, I didn't want to lose money on it. You know? Yeah, no kidding. So, so let's back up there a little bit about like, you started this business a year and a half ago, two years ago, two years ago, mm-hmm. two things here about business. One, how did you decide that? Like you felt like you were qualified to do this. Right. Mm-hmm. And then within a year of that, you started a course, which I think is a very good course. I signed up for it mm-hmm. for how to do it yourself and even start your own business. So like, yeah. Tell us, tell us how that all kind of worked out. From zero to 60 pretty fast. Um, So like I said, when I first started, I just knew how to do a setup and I figured that um, I was just going to see if I could attract some people to come over and pay my car note. 
and I did it and I started to be real successful. Well, within six months of opening the business, I had more five-star reviews than my closest competitors. Within a year of opening the business, I had more five-star reviews than all my competitors combined. So, and, and my customers were telling me, dude, you should raise your prices. Like, I don't see how you're even making a living if you can't like you're. And um, so I was, I had all these people telling me, you're doing, you're just doing a great job and we're glad you're here. And I'm glad that, you know, um, you decided to do this. And I mean, people were giving me all this encouragement. So that's how I, um, that's how I got started with it. And, and I started looking at the economics and I said, man, like this is a pretty good deal to get in if you can pull it off, if you do it the right way. So I thought if I can do this and it was, it was incredible. It was like literally saved my life during the pandemic. I mean, it like, it, it kept me financially afloat during the pandemic. So I thought, well, if, if I can do this, I, I'm not even that smart. Other people can do it too. So I just started and I, and I had a lot of time. So I started taking notes. So I was like the, um, so I, I figured out, which gave me a lot of insight. Like I, I took notes on every single customer that I had, like what service they were using. Um, at one time I took notes on what strings they were using, what payment method they were <clears throat> using, like Venmo cash app. So I learned, um, all the ins and outs of the business so that I could, hmm. um, like market more effectively and, um, uh, maximize my ROI and stuff like that. So I figured if I, and, and I was successful, I figured if I could do that, um, and obviously my setups were pretty good and the work that I was doing was pretty good because I had all these five-star reviews and people were willing to give me more. So I thought that if I just showed somebody else to do it, surely that would work. <laughs> <laughs> so what is a calendar right. asked? We, we always inevitably ask the question, like, how did you know you were able to do this thing? And then the, the other, like the inverse of that question is like, what is your, what does your day look like? Right. I mean, like, uh, just walk yeah. us through a day of, of doing this. Yeah. I just have a bunch of different things that I do all day. And it's just like, um, <laughs> it's like wake up in the morning and like usually do guitar repair. Like I, I do guitar repair for until I try to finish like all the guitars, but people come over all day long. And, um, and then I kind of start, um, hanging out with my daughter or do, you know, right. uh, whatever, but there's a bunch of weird random things all day. I actually spend a lot of time, um, finishing the guitars lately. So I spent a lot of time on, um, the Petrus Novacasters and the new mm -hmm. one that I'm building for the course. I've done a lot with that and a new Stratocaster body. I've got a lot of stuff that I'm going to upload probably maybe tonight or tomorrow or this week. I'm going to upload it to GRE and GRBS. Um, I've already taken a, a Stratocaster body and like completely um, grain filled it and filmed it. And then um, it, it's about to be sprayed with sanding sealer. I just finished it today. And I've also taken the ES335 hollow body neck and body and I've grain filled it. And um, I've got to do some like final sanding on it. So I've been doing that for the past three days for the for the weekend and stuff. That's cool. Well, okay. what is GR and GRBS? Uh, GRBS, Guitar Repair Business Starter, and Guitar Repair Essentials. Oh, your course, right? I'm trying to add the, I'm trying to add the abbreviations to my language because it's like it gets old, Sam. Yeah, sorry, we'll we'll drop we'll links on the podcast. So yeah, yeah, we'll definitely have links there for everybody. And what is grain filling? So grain filling is um, like if you want a glass smooth uh, finish on your guitar. 
uh, like with ash especially has a lot of grains in it um, and if you spray paint over the grain without filling it and without sealing it mm. the paint just seeps into the grain and especially like nitrocellulose it won't ever like build where you could sand it flat it'll always build where you'll be able to see the grain mm. and you'll never be able to pop like sand it out flat so it'll have a glass smooth finish so in order to get that smooth finish, which that red one doesn't, it has like glass smooth in some places, but in other places not. So you'll be able to like see where it, the grain, I got grain filled it a few times, but um, so yeah, that's how you get it. And so ash, especially it's got these big old grains in it. Alder doesn't have hardly any grain. Mahogany has some, but not much. Um, no, but you fill the grain, you sand it off. Cool. Just makes it more uniform, right? And so, so do you spend any time repairing? You're still repairing and setting up guitars. Yeah, yeah, I ha yeah. That's the primary that puts um, the roof over the head and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> right, 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 right. Do it till you can make your car payment. You heard it here. But how will you make that payment in retirement or two years from now or any other payment? Can you put a roof over your head? And more importantly, how long can you keep it there? Need to understand what's going on with your finances? Then you need On Trajectory Now to literally see where your money is taking you. What happens if you make one more hustle? You make one more sale? What if you had some real estate for a shop? There are a million questions and On Trajectory can help with the answers. What if I save more? What if I start a business? What does future me look like? Enter all this data and more into On Trajectory and let it help you create your roadmap to financial nirvana. To do it now and improve, you got to know what the now looks like and several of the futures, and that's what On Trajectory gives you. See where your money is taking you today. Go to www.grade43.com slash OT to sign up for free. Thank you to On Trajectory for being a sponsor of Grade 43. So then you, you have the course, you have students. Um, how on earth are you finding the time like to learn about like building the guitars? You just talked about about all this tech i saw your lab too i call it a lab because to me you're you're like coming up with new approaches and using new materials and different things to do everything faster do you just do this for like 20 hours a day and you don't need to sleep or something or uh, it's the well building the guitars i don't think so it's funny i don't think my wife understands this but um building the guitars is not like work to me it's just like like a hobby and um although it's the same thing that i do at work <laughs> it, it is <laughs> it is truly in my mind it's just a hobby mm -hmm. and, and in fact sometimes when i'm working like i have to like manage myself so i'll start off and i'll in the beginning in the, in the in the morning i'll say okay i've got i've got five guitars i got to finish today the first one I got to do, like this morning, I said, the first one I got to do is an ESP, and then I got to do this Kramer Beretta, and then um, uh, then I was like, I got to do two these two acoustic guitars, and I think it was like maybe another, another guitar is waiting on parts or something. I had to order the parts, so I lined up all that stuff, but halfway through that, I was like, oh, I want to go work on one of my guitars. <laughs> like, I want to go grab grab one of my little projects and kind yeah. of finish it. So I have to like keep myself on track and kind of do my own little stuff after after I get through paying the bills. Yeah. What do you think that next step looks like? 
right? Like how do you how do you get into the hands of a touring musician and all that? Like what's their or what are even the steps? I have no idea, right? The steps to what now? <clears throat> to whatever is next, right? I mean to be uh, whatever is next for me. Yeah. So I'm working uh I just I'm working with a professional copywriter to hopefully increase my oh. students so I can have more students and then um you know, I'd like to learn learn more about guitar building and try to hit that you know, the pre-CBS Fender mark as best that I could. Um, and Nova Guitar Setups can do a lot of growing, too. Um, the email newsletter is about to have a 1,000 people on it um, coming next week, which is like a, been a huge goal of mine forever. Um, I actually, after I thought, after I hit 300 the first time, I thought I'd never hit like 500. But so anyway... So that's going on. Um, and I actually thought about, I think the big next thing will be like buying a piece of property, like buying a property to put the business in. Hmm. And then I can create something for students if they want to come and like work and learn how to do things um, hands on in cool. person, then they can come work at my business and they can work for free and do all my work for me. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. That's amazing. But so. I, I, I think um, I'm going to try to answer a little bit of Brian's question on your behalf because I think you do this intuitively and you don't even think about it. And so it's like it's the just telling everyone about what you're doing and like just be like, hey, do you want to borrow the guitar? Hey, do you know anyone that wants to play this guitar? And like and give me some notes and whatever. And it's just like doing that. I, I don't know if that comes from working in kitchens or whatever, since we both worked in kitchens and we both do the, like Brian and I are always kind of laughing that we do these interviews and, and we just, we just ask everybody, Hey, do you want to be on our podcast? And so it's surprising how many seems people seems to say work yes, out, you know? And, and, mm -hmm. and like the more people you tell about your guitars, you're, it just opens doors. It just got to be kind of. I hope so. I mean, you never know. You never know what's going to happen. And I didn't really start it with expectations. Like I build these guitars, like I'm going to have to keep them. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> like nobody's going to buy them, and I'm going to have to keep them. So I better build them like I really want them. And like so, I am. I like really. I am the customer. Um, like I just built this. Um, How many rooms full of here. guitars do you have? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I think he's got four, five right now that he's built. Yeah, I love this guitar, and it's it's made for me. I mean, <laughs> I absolutely like. I might have to keep it. Like, I absolutely <laughs> love it. It is. Um, it plays so good. It's so it's ugly, but it's comfortable, and it sounds like I'd put it up against any guitar in Virginia it's like, like shredder hard, you know, rock. I would throw it up against any of these guys' guitars. Like I swear to God. And that's ultimately what it comes down to, right? Is like, just like the primal feeling that like whatever gives you, right? Yeah. You, you can sit there and Joy. extol the virtues of a certain scale or a certain piece of electronics or whatever, but like, you know, you want to get behind your ax. You want to get behind your ax. Joy, yeah. you know, it's like, that, that's what you're going for. I, I, I think, you know, a joyful, joyful experience. And, you know, to me, to me, that's what guitars are all about. Yeah. Have you ever had a guitar with a kill switch before that one? 
nope and but i've installed a couple and so i always wanted one and i got i have another friend of mine that i um i do a lot of work for um and me and him always joke about a kill switch he's like he's the one who turned me on to the company so he's always like i know you want one so i kind of got it like thinking about him too what is a catch me up what is a kill switch i mean is it literally just what it sounds like oh it's a temporary cutoff so uh, it's just like an art. This is called an arcade button and it, okay. ar- arcade button. And it's just a temporary cutoff. It's like, it just cuts <laughs> off the noise, cuts off the sound. I think Paul Gilbert has one on his guitar and a couple of other famous Tom, Tom Morello, the guy from Tom Morello. Buckethead, right. That. Yes. Boy. Remember, I remember seeing in the newsletter, there was something about Buckethead opening for Primus, right? Uh, I saw that in the oh. mid nineties. I saw, I did see Buckethead opening for Primus. At the State Palace Theater in New Orleans. Man, that's just an amazing We were taking some adult things. To- <laughs> <laughs> okay, so that kind of brings us back even to like chef world. And I don't know if uh, we got a little bit of time still. Like, Brian, you had a few questions there around culinary arts. Oh, yeah. No, so it's interesting because I just, I think it's, interesting the number of people who have chef in their background right and it always just ends up like it's this skill and it's nothing like anyone ever actually thinks that it is right i mean everybody's jose andres and they just walk around and like make food just fly out of their fingertips right that's not what being a chef is like it's hard work and you got to time things and understand things and but it's like there isn't a single person we have we've talked to like on this podcast that doesn't have like a little bit of like a the intersection of like a couple different things in them. And I think that like a chef intersecting with anything just tends to be just like interesting. So in, in your eyes, having like walked that walk, like what, what do you think that is? Is there, is there some common thread there? Is it and just like something that you learned? Is it, am I wrong? People who make it work, like in the, the people who make it work in kitchens got a little crazy in them, you know, yeah, um, <laughs> like for real. Right. You kind of got to be like a little bit, off you know or like like oddly motivated or something i don't know like you got to have something inside of you that kind of switches on and i don't know but um i had it man i used to i I was um i could meet deadlines i mean i could do it i could run a staff i could i could i mean i could do it my bosses love me i mean we made tons of money um but it is the most, it was the most insanely stressful Uh and like crazy chaotic circus like environment. Uh Um, and it was just out of control. And I mean, like I had, um, towards the end of like, before I quit, I would have nosebleeds Uh like from stress. And it was, it, it, it was just like, I would walk in in the morning and it just seemed like it was a circus. Yeah. It's like how and and oh man, it was crazy. So I I don't ever want to go back. You know, <laughs> but you talking about running, talking about juggling different things. I mean, <laughs> like how many yeah. balls can you juggle at once? Right. We had three different catering brands going out of the same kitchen. I mean, we would have like twenty eight chefs working at the same time. Like, and that was every day. We could keep, we could have twenty eight chefs in our kitchen working at all time. And, um, I mean, we had the space for them. We had the room for them. We had the, the ingredients to, I mean, we were 
blowing through food. We had, we would keep enough food to maybe last like one, two days, you know, and then it would all just kind of go back, like flip over again. They would wash dishes almost during the season. They would wash dishes 24 hours a day. Um, like off season, they, we wouldn't have night dishwashers, but, uh, like it was, it was, it was insane, you know, um, all these people going in different directions. <laughs> My favorite is when the dishwasher doesn't show up and then you get to also run the dishwasher and then you're mm-hmm. expediting and you're swapping with someone else on the line so that they take a turn at the dishwasher and you just kind of, I don't know if you've ever yeah. done that. That's a good time. Not really, but it's not. Those were the restaurant days. Yeah. I, yeah. Uh, yeah. I remember those days. Um, <laughs> Yeah, the last the last big catering operation I had, we had nine dishwashers on staff. Holy cow! Awesome. Yeah, wow. like five during the day and four at night. Wow. Run them. That that sounds like design cuisine. So I worked with a big company out of the DC metro area that would have like, we would go offsite. It was all offsite, right? Mm-hmm. So that you'd yeah. have the prep kitchens during the day, and then, yeah, and then everything would be like at the at the um, Air and Space Museum, right? So like for a thousand people and sit down dinners, right? And so we would have a crew that would come with massive trucks just to set up our stoves and our hot boxes and everything else. And then then we come in and cook. And maybe that day, all you're doing is carving. That's literally your job for four hours is carving. And then another crew comes in to do cleanup. It was just... Yeah, bonkers. Man, cruise, this is all cruise, I, I've, I've, I could barely work at a bagel shop. That's, <laughs> that's my kitchen background. This is all yeah, fascinating yeah. to me. So that's the scale of that operation was probably a little bit larger than, than yeah. what we did over in Oregon. But, um, but I mean, we, we could do three events, fifteen hundred people, you know, five course meals at the same time, all at once, you know, and then have a couple of other little Tuki events going on. Uh huh. Uh huh. Yeah. So, so Brian, here's the stuff that he's not saying that I think is like relates to all this and the crazy also, and correct me if I'm wrong, Eric, if I'm like way off, but this is just from my own experience. First of all, chefs after work, they still go out and they'll drink. But if you're serious about the job and people that show up the next day, you're at work on time and you work like even after party, like your job depends on it. Yeah. (laughs) And then you still show up for work and you're like, ready to go like nothing happened the night before it's nuts Mm. and uh you always have to have plan a and plan b and like plan c going on for basically anything that's going on right and then everything around you is basically deadly while you're working so like (laughs) you could accidentally have the fryer start to overflow because you got water dripping or something into the fryer. Now there's oil bubbling over the fryer onto the floor or whatever. Right. And people come back and we would talk about prepping almost like as if it's like a military operation. All right. How many covers are we going to do tonight? And like, how are we going to prepare for this? covers? I've heard that word. Yeah. It's just nuts. Definitely. Most definitely. Um, Oh gosh, man! Those events were ran um, very seriously. Yeah. You know, oh, oh, we we took things very seriously. Yeah. yeah oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's not a, when he when you say it's a circus, it's not because it's a party and a good time and a bunch of pirates having fun. It's like, a lot of different parts <laughs> going on. You yeah, know? it's like a military operation, and you're getting yelled at. Right. And if you Lots got a little burned yeah. your hand, it's like whoop de doo. Let's get back on the line and get going. You know, like <laughs> there's mm-hmm. not. 
<laughs> it's not for the faint at heart. And it's the most non-PC environment ever. <laughs> uh, I don't know if it's getting any better, but like the there is it's just rough. It's it's there was a reckoning reckoning in the you know um a lot of those chefs got busted even here in the Virginia area. You yeah, know, that's um, true. Um uh yeah, so there was there was a reckoning. So I think the kitchen's getting a little hopefully getting a little better. That's good. I hope so. When I started back in the 90, in the mid 90s, late. Yeah, it was awful. I mean, <laughs> I, I had I had a chef. Um, so I worked at like my very first fancy job in I was still in culinary school. Um, it was at a, uh, a Dorona awarded restaurant. It was like the really like I lucked out. I got this job like I have no idea how I got it. But I got a job at like the nicest place like <laughs> that I could ever find, like Dorona awarded five star restaurant. And the chef was just it was really good. And he was a real dick. And, yeah. <laughs> right. and, and I think and like I, I think like he's kind of famous um, kind of for that area, you know, and um, he told me one time, you know, he was like, party like your job depends on it. Like you show up tomorrow and you're all fucked up. He's like, it's like you're you're dead, you know, basically you're, you're dead. And another time he, I was behind, I was working. It was like Sunday. Maybe I didn't party like my job depending on it or whatever, but I was really behind. And I was like, I was having to like leave the line and peel shrimp and then come back to the line and like cook. And it was a really busy day. And I was the cause of a lot of the problems. And, um, <laughs> um, he looked, he took, he looked at me and he told me, he said, if you leave this line one more time, he said, I'm going to break your arm. <laughs> <laughs> I believed him, you know? Oh man! Um, and, and like I did get better at cooking. You know? yeah. <laughs> that job. That's some motivation, yeah. Yeah, you stop thinking. <laughs> like you get to a point where you're not thinking anymore. You're just like doing. You're just like in the flow. The, yeah, flow is the zone. Yeah, a lot of that in the kitchen. A lot of people like that too. They they get in the flow. You know. Yeah. Yeah. So I, so I think Brian, once you experience that for a few years, everything else is kind of like, everything else is gravy. This is easy. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's like, (laughs) yeah. So, so now we're at the point where like, how do you know, how did you know you could pull off a guitar repair business? Yes. Right. Now, now we've just answered that question. Right. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Literally. Like that, that's the answer. <laughs> right. Fair right. enough. Because hardship means yeah. nothing because you survived a kitchen. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yep. I literally felt like I could just do anything. You know? right. <laughs> and like my wife doesn't think this. Um, she's always and other people always tell me, like, you have to go to school. Like, if you want to do that, you're gonna have to go to school and get a degree and blah 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 blah. And I'm just like, no. I was like, you just need to like learn a little bit about it and start doing it and <laughs> it'll work out. Yeah, totally. I, 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 I think that's an important lesson for anyone that wants to be an entrepreneur. Cause I think a lot of entrepreneurship fails or never happens because people think it needs to be perfect before the, mm. and they just never really start. Yeah. Or it's yeah. like overstudied, right? You know, it's like, yeah. yeah, no, just get down to the, what's the elemental thing, do the elemental thing see how that goes right a lot of people don't start the course um limiting beliefs you know they just feel like um uh it's not gonna work or or like i'll i'll never 
they may have like imposter syndrome, like, you know, just like what you said, how do you, how, how can I charge somebody else for doing their guitar? They just don't feel like they can do it. And they just never, they never, they never start, you know? Amazing. It's hard, you know, I mean, being, being an entrepreneur, doing anything new, moving into any new venture is hard because you're completely blind and, um, you know, and, and if there's an investment in money, it gets even harder. Mm, yeah. You know? There's a lot of like thought going on for me. There's a lot. Of, we got a little bit <laughs> of that going, area. This is why, this is why I am not a entrepreneur. It's like deep, <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it's so good. And I, and, and all of this relates, I think to, um, I, I think it relates to some of the other stuff that Brian and I, Brian and I talk about a lot here. We're always talking about also um, community yeah. and we're, we're talking about um, playing the gear that you own instead of always wanting to buy new gear, uh, yeah. you know? And, and I think you're, you're, you're creating a business that kind of connects a lot of those things. You have, you have students, you have a, a community of students. I've interacted with some of them. They, they're all sort of engaging there and, and you're teaching people how to like care for their instruments. We talked to Phil McKnight about this and he said, we said, what's the next thing that besides playing guitar, what else people got to do? Oh, you know, you got to learn to take care of your guitar. That's just getting more and more expensive every day. So like, I, I think, the timing of your business it's just like super timely like it's it's i hope so you're, you're you're doing it at the right time and i think you're doing it the right way like it is everything perfect no of course not but like you're constantly learning and improving every day everything that it right so i have something so i remember calamar talking about your course and signing up and newsletter and stuff like that and all about like setup and then he mentioned classical guitar setup and i think that's kind of like am i right this is the same do we lose yeah yeah. yeah yeah i asked eric i was like hey i have some classical guitars yeah so what, what I, setup look like for that you know yeah. of course like i played a classical guitar before but I, it just feels like different and Mm, yeah other than electric setup too we never we didn't make much progress on <laughs> <laughs> uh you know, typically classical guitars don't have truss rods in them. Some do, mm. um, but typically they don't. And I mean, I don't know why, um, but um, so that makes them pretty non-adjustable. You know, the only thing you can do really with the geometry of it, if you can't change the truss rod is, you know, the bridge and the, mm. the bridge saddle and the nut, you know, right. and we did that. We worked on it as best that we could to get the action down low. Um, but uh, the geometry, I think could maybe be better on that, but I think it's still a very playable guitar, but you know, classical guitars are, do have that high action. I mean, uh, typical, like on a classical guitar to have a three millimeter to three and a half millimeter at the 12th fret is right. pretty typical, you know? Yeah. Twice um, as high. They have a, you know, they got a really flat, flat radius. I think it's like a, a 16 inch radius or, or even a 20 inch radius on some of them. Um, Anyway, the difficult, difficult guitars to set up. Um, they sound amazing whenever somebody plays them properly, though. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> nice. 
Yeah, everyone in Brazil and their brother and cousin has a classical guitar in the house. We don't yeah. play classical. We play, we'll play Pink Floyd on it or whatever, you know. That's the guitar you strum at home. <laughs> it's just, it's a nice, easy guitar to play. Yeah, um, and it's easy on the fingers, too. Exactly, exactly. Mm. The nylon strings, I like that. But but I, I didn't catch whatever observation you made after my my thing about community and uh, business. Um, I, don't, I don't know if you wanted to. Oh, I don't know. I, th I think that, um, you know, I think being, we're all, you know, we're people, we're all humans and everything, but obviously we're all together in this thing, you know? So, I mean, we're all a community, you know I mean? Um, what, what else can you do with your life better than being a productive member of your community mm -hmm. you know um you know it, it's hard to think of any other calling you know because if you go be by yourself you say okay i'm not going to be part of the community i'm not going to do things for the community i'm going to go be by myself what can you do with that <laughs> right where, where can you go you make a be a bazillionaire maybe you can figure out how to make money and stuff but like you'd have to have done something for that though right yeah I mean, it's, 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 yeah it's not tenable so, right? I mean, being part of a community is that really is the that's the point you know um and when people like we have family you know um i have i have a family i'm not sure about you brian but i mean i have a Oh yeah, yeah. We all have family and cats oh, yeah. and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Uh -huh. that's right. Fish, true, great. Yeah. So, yep. um, you know, that's you know, a family. That's that's what it's all about. And um, you know, being part of that community and in, being part of a bigger community. And if we were all great members of our communities, you know, globally or just locally, globally, and you keep chunking up, chunking up, chunking up, then really the world wouldn't have any problems. You know, and that, I mean. That's got nothing to do with guitar repair, but really if I'm, it kind of does because I specialize in guitar repair and if I'm, you know, somebody has got to do it. So I got to, you know, if I'm really kind to the community around me, then I'm, I'm doing something right. Um, um, in my, in my genre, the, the genre that I can do something in, you know, and other people are going to contribute by being chefs or by being, um, you know, podcasters or, or whatever, you know, <laughs> you got to watch out for those people though. You know, it's yeah. all, and yeah. like, it's odd because, you know, sometimes other people like, I don't know about you guys, but sometimes other, other people get on your nerves, you know, does that ever happen to you guys? Like other never, people, never. no one ever gets on my nerves. Other people in the community gets on your nerves. So, you know, it's, sometimes it's hard to love the whole thing, but, um, yeah. our, our church has a banner, uh, church I go to, it says, love thy neighbor, even that one. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. So, right. Exactly. It's kind of working on, you know, that part of what I do is have to work on, you know, people. Yeah. That yeah. That's fantastic. Yeah. Wow. That was great. Yeah. Was I, don't, great... I don't think we could ask for like a better <laughs> stick the landing than that. that was yeah. Cool. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome, dude. Yeah. Oh, man. Eric, thanks, man. Cool. All right, guys. All right. Have a good Talk night. You guys. Thank you. Have a good one.
Yeah, I, I just want to point out, you know, we talked a lot about Eric's guitars during the interview. Sadly, he came by and he picked up all of his guitars that I had. No. I had like two or three of them. And then he gave me one, which is like this super, I call it the whack strat because it's like, it's, got, it's like a crazy strat with only two pickups and it's got a kill switch on it. And the give, pickup is With the like arcade scavenged. button, yeah. yeah. Yeah, right, right, right. So a kill switch is an arcade button. He replaced the volume pot with that. When you press it, it kills the sound on the guitar. So um, the, the weird intro and outro music that you heard was on on that guitar because that guitar is just too much fun. I've been playing it a lot. It sounds amazing. It's very fun. It's like definitely a rocker type of guitar. Yeah, but that's pretty wild. Yeah, it's pretty. He scavenged the pickup from like a Gibson Explorer. Yeah, and he grabbed that. It might not be uh, obvious to <clears throat> the folks uh, listening to the interview, but at some point he grabs that. That when he's talking about this is his favorite guitar. Yeah, this is the the wacky arcade button kill yeah. switch strat. <laughs> and 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 since you can't see it, it, you know it's a black and white strat. It has a neck pickup and a bridge pickup. It's got a it's got a uh, it's got a, a single coil pickup in the neck. I don't remember what it is. And then it's got this uh, humbucker in the bridge, and it's, it's got like this one of those fl- angled humbuckers too, yeah. almost like a Dan Electro or something. Yeah, yeah. So it's from a Gibson Explorer, and uh, it has a, a fluorescent green arcade button instead of one of the volume <laughs> knobs. So it's ugly in all the right ways. Like it's just a fun rocker guitar. So yeah. And you don't have to put quarters into it to play. You even though don't it's got need to put in. quarters into yeah. it to play. Yep, yep, yep. Just got to plug it in. So, um, yeah. So, no, I, I had a super good time talking to Eric. And definitely as, um, you know, re-listening to that, uh, one of the things that stood out for me, right, was um, the idea of the well-built machine, right? When he's talking about, you know, something that is like, tuned and capable and you can take it on the road and it can come back and it could be tuned up. I mean, we spend so much time talking about guitars in terms of like how cool they are to look and what effects they have and all this other, um, just like hype that gets us into the guitar space, right? How how great this is. But at the bottom line, if it's not a very effective tool, a musician's not going to use it and go out on the road for nine months out of the year or something like that. So I thought that was an, an interesting kind of gear aspect where it's like, yeah, there there isn't a flame top crazy maple thing going on here or a shape that you haven't seen before. But what you see is put together well and it will do the job for a variety of people and like be a good, uh, enjoyable, joyful and sustainable type of like instrument to play. So I thought that was really one of the yeah. cool aspects of talking yeah. to him. Yeah, and he relics it in like a really light way where it's, it it's not like artsy. It's more like it got banged up. So once you yeah. if you own one of his guitars, you're like not worried about getting it nicked, which sounds weird. Like you could just do that with any guitar you have, but uh, yeah, you're not afraid to play it, right? I mean, yeah. I'm terrified of my favorite guitar. I know, right? exactly. <laughs> it's like an angry cat. <laughs> right, right. Uh, pockets. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah. And then yeah. the other idea I liked um, that uh, that he talked about was just kind of like the idea of just like going for it, yeah. right? Like, yeah, well, get out there and do it, and then do a better and better refined job of it. And exactly. like, that's that's the way to go. Exactly. Exactly. So, yeah, I wish Eric a lot of luck. I've been having a lot of fun interacting with him and taking his course and kind of following Phil's advice right about like taking care of your gear and all that so yeah it's yeah and we'll have links to uh all yes. of his uh his curriculum 
in the uh yep in the wild links his curriculum and he just like recently put up a website for his guitars so and actually if you're in the dc area dmv maryland virginia dc and you want to play one of his guitars he actually right now is trying to get the word out to everybody and he will gladly bring it over to your house and let you keep it for a couple of days like no obligations at all so if you're interested in that, reach out to him or reach out to us, and uh, I'll get you in touch with him because I want to help him, you know, uh, wherever I can to to, to like, um, you know, make his name. So yeah, yeah, good stuff. So now comes the 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 moment. Um, <laughs> you know, have you been doing your homework, Mister Cripplewitz? <laughs> Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I've, I've been looking into, uh, interview techniques and just different things we can do to make our guests feel at home. Oh, uh, we, we, we bought some zoom pro. So, uh, yeah, that's, that's what I've been doing. Was there something else that I was supposed to pay attention to? Well, well, we talked about it and no, it's not a Marcel Marceau, uh, mime exercise on not speaking. <laughs> it's, uh, palm muting. And, I mean, there is a lot of palm muting in this playing, but really it's just like a cool funk uh, groove by Kirk Fletcher inspired by Cornell Dupree. And I think we're due up, like, next next, next episode, show. Yeah. next show, maybe. Yeah. I mean, we've done that so many times, so we shouldn't jinx it. But That's I right. We will not commit to anything here. Do not take this as a commitment, folks. But tune in. You may see some Cornell Dupree and Kirk Fletcher action on the next episode. That's right. That's right. And I think we got some interesting topics. Coming. Yeah. And I, and I joke, but actually I did watch uh, a few of the videos around the lesson. And here's the thing. And I like this about all of the True Fire stuff is there are so many moments where it's not like this is a style that I necessarily want to research or a technique that I can't do. But where I have so many of those, oh, that's how they do that moments. Right. right. So he's playing this like funky little riff. And I'm like, is that how they get that sound? And right. like, I can go back and I can map that to my experience. And sometimes I can do that. Yeah. But it's just yeah. really cool to see somebody, you know, break it down for you and go like, this is what's happening when this happens. This is what you're hearing. And that's, that's kind of cool. So I, at least I've gotten to the music appreciation part of that. Yeah. That's a good point. Cause you watch whether it's the fretting hand or the strumming hand and you're like, Oh, like his hands, like, barely moving or whatever mm -hmm. you know like you're just kind of like which i don't i can't even tell which fingers are playing or whatever you know yeah it's, it's more impressive what he's in like not intentionally doing right yeah that, that's kind of the cool yeah. part yeah. yeah and and being able to see like a very relaxed picking hand or something like that you know it's just like oh wow okay it, this guy is super chill playing the guitar and he's just playing all this stuff and it's like super syncopated and whatever and it's and all of his body language is so chill. Yeah. So it's and it's definitely a, the uh, an electric guitar as like a rhythm instrument, like almost okay. in the same way that like it would be a percussion yeah. instrument, right? But so it's like a blend of those two. So it's kind of cool. So yeah, we you tune in next time to see how bad I murder that one. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think something you do really well that we did like way back when, geez, now it's like three or four months ago, is like. You're not necessarily worried about the the like the exact notes that are playing being played, but you get mm, the mm -hmm. the vibe of whatever the thing is. So like you can just make it happen. Like if you had to play something like that, you would be playing your own 
sort of right. version yeah. of it, but it's it's great in of its own. Yes, I'm I'm more comfortable cutting corners than when we first started <laughs> these exercises. Ah, <laughs> uh, don't don't cut yourself short though. Though, like, don't don't sell yourself short. Like, knowing how to cut corners is a fine art. To like, oh, yeah. Yeah, to where it's like you cut all the right corners, and I feel mm-hmm. like that is really a skill that's not no doubt. to be taken lightly. So, <laughs> no doubt. Yep. So that's coming next time. Um, let's see, usual closeout stuff. So that'll be coming. Get in touch with us. Uh, I was reminded when poking around the website, we have a contact page where you can actually like put in your contact details. Yeah. It'll come right to us. You can type what you want to talk about. Or you can just email us at info at grade43.com, find us at 43rd grade on Twitter, and then I think grade43 on Instagram. And I've got a little um, anecdote to kind of share about that that I was thinking about and made me smirk today. So um, so social media is not really my thing. I run the Twitter feed, but 99% of what I tweet, I have to go in and do the delete and edit option. And that's not because I'm worried about getting canceled. It's because I'm pretty sure I didn't do it right. Like I forgot to like tag a person in or like, I'm just, so I'm just terrible at it. So I was looking at one of our Instagram posts um, that you handled because you handle the Instagram end of the horse. Then like Instagram just started getting in my face. And the thing that blew my mind is like the number of videos of like, 11 year old kids shredding oh <laughs> it's like and i'm sitting there going and i'm struggling with palm muting okay right. yeah don't so so okay now we now we have a whole topic we're, we're about to sign off and this oh, no. might become like a whole topic which is that like this is what i've been saying about social media in fomo not fomo sorry not fomo but like um the same problem that people deal with with body image seeing things on the cover Mm. of magazines and thinking that, oh, well, I have to be perfect or perfect is to look like this or whatever. Now, social media has caused that for all of the things. Like, everything is, is, you're hit with that because you're like, oh, here's a person just very casually playing guitar and they're shredding. Like, it's like, well, they're 11. But like, is that their real life? I mean, some of them maybe, but most of them are probably. Like <laughs> Do they... you think there's like a, um, like a show mom behind them? <laughs> yeah. Just like like the I... reality shows, just like practice your runs. Yeah, or it's just <laughs> like they got that one run in, and then they saved it, and then they shared. Like mm. they can't go and perform that as part of their show or whatever, and like. <laughs> but but and and then also though, sort of related to what you're saying, it's like. Okay, there's 200 of them that can oh, yeah. there's really many shred. Of them. But that's 200 people in the world of, like, billions. So, like, yeah, of course, this is, like, the elite that we're seeing. And <laughs> These so, are the elite child prodigies who are dunking on Don't feel bad me. about yourself, you know, because I do. I'm like, mm. I can't do legato like that. But, you know, the only ones that have that are great at it get, have all the attention. So you think... Everyone's great at it, except mm. you. I don't oh, know. No, I don't think everyone, but the, like the the kids on Instagram, they're definitely better. <laughs> right, <laughs> right, right, right. That's like Eric's uh, Eric's newsletter always says, "Shut up and practice," and he always <laughs> yep. he always has a link to something like that, like yep. some kid playing, like uh, yeah, some sort of <laughs> like amazing Paganini thing on the guitar backwards, upside down, or something, and they're ten. You know what you should tell those kids. Get off my lawn!
Yeah, you get 40 minutes. Yeah, oh, I know. Stare it down. Uh, so uh, every single live session I do, I'm in the middle of something and, and that's yep. it. It's the nature of the beast. That, that goes into it. So, See, I'll, I'll be. Of course, we are veering off course. We're trying to fix this, reconnecting in 10 seconds. God fucking damn it.